All right, so fair warning, this episode goes into my least favorite topic of all time, which is politics. So yeah, if you're listening on Anchor, you may want to skip the second segment where I discuss the show Roseanne, um, and maybe even the first segment where I discuss Solo, A Star Wars Story, since I do get into a little bit of politics at the end of that. The second segment, though, is the worst because it's pretty much an entire political discussion there, um, because that's the whole situation. Um... And, of course, the other two topics are, um, are fine. I don't discuss politics at all in those, but the first two you may want to skip, um, if you're listening on an anchor and just listen to the music. If you're listening on other, um, platforms like Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you may just want to skip this episode since I don't know the exact timestamps of when and where things happened, so, um, Yeah. But otherwise, if you're okay with a thorny political discussion, feel free to stick around, listen in, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah, this'll be fun. You're listening to Geek Source Entertainment. Alright, let's get into it, shall we? Uh, so... Solo, a Star Wars story, released last weekend, and I have still not been able to go see it, because obviously I've been sick all week, like I mentioned before, and I am very disappointed. Another person who is also really disappointed, or I should say people who are really disappointed with Solo, a Star Wars story, is Disney and Lucasfilm. Why? Because Solo, a Star Wars story, underperformed and underperformed badly at the box office. It made approximately $150 million worldwide. Around $85 million of that being domestic and $65 million international. And, of course, this would be numbers that if you were any other film, By any other studio, you would be happy to see those numbers. But this is Star Wars, okay? The biggest brand, arguably, in the world. And just to compare to the last spinoff film that came out, Rogue One made $155 million just domestically. So that shows you right there. Solo A Star Wars Story, with its numbers, both worldwide, like, in total, couldn't beat Rogue One in just one market, here, domestically. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I am sure Disney, Lucasfilm, not too happy with, uh, with these, uh, with the numbers for this, although I did, I, I did like Ron Howard's response of, you know, disappointing, but uh, personal best. So, and then encouraging the person that he got asked to to go see it because they were asking if I if they should, and uh, um, I thought that was really nice. And it just shows just just how like odd this is that you know um, if you were like Ron Howard is a director, he directed this movie, and it is his own personal best opening weekend ever, and. 
and it underperformed. So like that, that the, the irony of that is is wonderful. And of course, one of the writers of the film, Jonathan Kasdan, of course says, you know, yes, it underperformed, but keep keep the positive feedback. Disney and Lucasfilm see that. So if you want to see more of these films keep up the positive feedback. So Disney and Lucasfilm, I think going by Jonathan Kasdan's comment on Twitter, um, they're paying attention to more than just the numbers. And I'll get into a bit why here in a bit. So let's talk about what, what went wrong. Um, first, people just weren't interested in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, even before the, the divisive film that was The Last Jedi, before that, people saw the upcoming slate of Star Wars films and they saw Solo a Star Wars story and were just left scratching their heads. Just why? Han Solo is an iconic character, okay? And he is synonymous with Harrison Ford. Um, and so for a lot of people, the idea of recasting a younger version of the character for an origin story just felt odd, if not flat out wrong to a lot of people. So... That that was one problem. Um, definitely disinterest in this film across the board. Even diehard Star Wars fans who've loved every single movie up until this point said they weren't too interested in going to see Solo. Um, and then two, production issues were well documented. Um, in case you've been living under a rock and haven't heard this story, what happened was was I think I think their names are Christopher Lord and Phil Miller, although it could be Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. I don't know. All I hear every time someone talks about it is that they just mention their last names as Lord and Miller, and I'm admittedly too lazy to do a last-minute check. Um, so I, I think I, I've got their... I can never remember which first name goes with which last name, but nonetheless, they got booted off the project about halfway through. Uh, according to Lucasfilm, apparently they're going off script and ad-libbing a bit too much. And of course, they got Ron Howard in to direct it. He redo he redid the film. Enough of the film that he gets final directing credit, and the original directors only get an executive producer credit. He redid so much, um, and these issues were well documented. And in the past couple of years, um, people have seen these kind of films. These have seen films that have had these production issues like Fantastic Four, last year's Justice League, and they've seen those and they just see the, how they don't end up well. They're typically, uh, you know, messes of a film. Sometimes you can't even call them films. Um, they're just so badly put together. Um, and so people were paying attention to the news of this. If they And, it, and so that, that adds on to the disinterest of not only... People are just not interested in seeing it, but now some of the a lot of people were expecting it to be bad, which it's actually the the general consensus that I've seen on like Stardust from the people I trust on Stardust and on Twitter and social media. It seems to be generally positive. I've seen positive reaction to people who are going to see it, which is why it kind of hurts that the numbers aren't doing well because people who have seen it are at least saying it's good and entertaining. Definitely not perfect, but it's at least entertaining. Even people who didn't like the Last Jedi are saying that it was a good film. Um, obviously, that's not the reaction across the board. There are still people who don't like it, but overall, it seems like generally the, the reaction has been positive, um, which also makes me mad that I can't go see it yet because, I, yeah, a lot of the people I trust seem to like it. Um, another thing that went wrong, though, with this film was the marketing was dismal. Okay, we did not get our first trailer for this film until only around three months before the film came out. 
three months. To compare, The Force Awakens had its first trailer in November of 2014. The Force Awakens released in December of 2015, over a year there. And then even The Last Jedi, its first trailer released in April of 2017 and released in uh, December, around, uh, I I think that's like eight or nine months there. So nine to 12, 13 months of marketing compared to three that's just not enough time for the majority of people to go see this. I've seen on numerous reviews that I've watched on YouTube and such of comments being, I was unaware of this film coming out. This film is out? What? Now, of course, that's not to say there there wasn't marketing. Obviously, there was. In fact, my, my co-host, uh, Lord Squirrel, has made mention of the fact that, um, you know, he can't seem to get away from it. But it's still, even if they're pushing the marketing a lot. It's still not enough time. It's just not enough for it to become ingrained in the public image of understanding of, oh, this film is coming out. Um, and I, I, I do have a theory about that. And this is going to get into what I, uh, into a bit, I'm going to get into where I think Disney and Lucasfilm as a whole need to go. Um, my personal theory about this film is why they didn't delay it is I think they saw the writings on the wall. I think they saw the initial disinterest, the reaction to The Last Jedi, the production issues that then raised the budget of the film. This film had like, after after reshoots and everything, had a budget of like $250 million before marketing. And I think they saw all the writing on the wall that this film just was not looking good. And so rather than say push it out to December, like I I think pushing it out to December would have at least helped that because of the fact that December is easy pickings because after, you know, after December, January and February are like the dumping grounds for films that studios don't believe in. So it's typically like the reason why Star Wars films have performed so well. Part of the reason, anyways, not only because they're they're Star Wars, but part of the reason is because they're the only good film out around that time, you know, around the end of December, around January, and then sometimes even into February, depending on where you live. Um, And I think, but I think Disney saw the writing on the wall here with the disinterest in the film, the divisive reaction to Last Jedi, and with the production problems, rather than decide push it out to December. They just decided we'll just we'll just get this film out, we'll cut our losses and we'll stick to the original release date. Um because the argument has been made that oh well maybe tentpole exhaustion of all these tentpole films of Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool 2 exhausting the general audience and that's why solo underperformed. I don't buy that because again this is Star Wars. The normal story should have been Deadpool 2. You should be scared for that film because it released so close to Solo. It should not be, oh, Deadpool 2 killed some of the interest for Solo. It just shouldn't be like that. It's Star Wars here we're talking about. Um, and I think Disney, again, I, I, I just think Disney saw that they weren't going to make as much money on, as, they were, as they would like. They'd already shot their budget up because of production issues and reshoots and all that. And so they were like, let's just cut our losses. We'll get this film out and get rid of it. Just get it over with and move on to future projects that maybe people will want to see. Uh, that's my personal theory that went on behind in the heads, uh, behind the scenes of Lucasfilm and Disney. It's not something, I, I don't know. That's just my own personal theory. Don't take that as fact. 
Now, where do I think Star Wars needs to go from here? Um, they need to spread these films out. That's that's just... I, I think this is obvious. Um, Star Wars fans went from having a total of six films in 30 years to four films in four years. Okay, like... Um, in between um, the... So, in the original trilogy, Star Wars A New Hope was released in 1977. The Empire Strikes Back released in 1980. And then 1983, Return of the Jedi came out. And then it was another 16 years before uh, we got uh, The Phantom Menace in 1999. And then in 2002, Attack of the Clones. In 2005, Revenge of the Sith. And then it was another 10 years after Revenge of the Sith that we got The Force Awakens. Now, since The Force Awakens, for the past four years, we've gotten a new Star Wars film. And I think part of the problem that uh, Disney will need to grapple with is the fact that for a lot of people, it's starting to feel like Star Wars isn't special anymore. Part of the reason why Star Wars is special is because of the fact that it was these were events you know, you had three films spread out across nine years, and then after the end of that trilogy, you didn't know if we were getting another Star Wars trilogy. Now, with these, with under the, the reign of Disney, it's guaranteed we're getting a new film. So, if you miss this new one, eh, who cares, another one will come out next year. And I think that's devaluing the brand. And now I've, I've heard the rebuttal that, oh, well, Marvel does it. Marvel does, you know, up to three films a year. Well, first of all, they built to three films a year, um, starting one film a year. And sure, they're, they're making a ton of bank, but also a lot of films like Doctor Strange and Ant-Man performed around Solo. Not all of their films are huge, gigantic successes. Now, and again, also, too, they started that way. They started a film a year. For Star Wars fans, it's, Star Wars is something different. Um, it's, it's an event. I think, honestly, Marvel is, after Infinity War, going to start seeing waning interest because of the fact that, um, for a lot of people, you know, the, the, the story has concluded. Unless there is something that really kick, kicks the interest for Phase 4, I think... At the end of part two of Infinity War, whatever they call that, interest for the MCU is just going to slowly die because for a lot of people, that's going to be seen as the end of the story they're invested in. Um, but nonetheless, this is Star Wars. And I just think Star Wars, the reason why Star Wars is so successful was because of its format and the fact that these were special films that we didn't know if we were getting a new one. We didn't know, you know, they weren't coming out year after year. And so there was that extra, you know, one, you know, two years, three years of, of waiting. So it helped build the anticipation and theorizing and all that. Um, now there's not as much time for that, especially in between The Last Jedi to Solo. Only six months in between two films. That is uh, too, too short of a time, especially uh, now maybe interest will come back with episode nine. And I think like... I don't think Disney is, or Lucasfilm is like doomed with Solo, a Star Wars story's failure, okay? And here's the reason why. Lucasfilm is owned by Disney, who also owns Marvel, Pixar, their own films, and Fox by 2019 or 2020. 
I don't think one film from one subset that Disney owns underperforming is going to, you know, cause them to be like, all right, you pack up, you're done. You know, I don't think it's going to cause anything like that. If episode nine underperforms, I think then we'll know we have a problem. But I also think Disney is, is, might be seeing their, the error of this because of the fact that when we look at the slate, we know episode nine is coming out in, I, I, I think it's been confirmed, but maybe it hasn't, December of 2019. So that's a year and a half out. Hopefully that gives enough Star Wars fans a break and it helps regain interest in episode nine. Um, but we, we, again, we'll see. Two, but again, like what comes after that, we don't really know. The only thing we know for sure that is coming out is the Boba Fett film. And that film only just now got a director. Um, of course, there are a series of films being made by Jon Favreau and Ryan Johnson and the Game of Thrones writers. But again, that's all we know about those series. We don't know when they're coming out. I guess we know that Jon Favreau's series will be taking place in between episode six and seven. Um, I think he confirmed that, but that's literally all we know. We have no idea what, what the ideas are, what the script is, what, when they're going into production, nothing. So I'm thinking Disney could potentially delay some of these projects, spread it out, and when because they're seeing the burnout that Star Wars fans are having. Um, and then two, uh, this goes relating to Marvel, actually. One of the things that um, I made a point about... Or, you know, that needs to be made a point. Part of the reason why Marvel has been so successful with year after year stories and movies is because of the fact that their story has been unified for the past 10 years. And the reason why Avengers Infinity War is such a success is because it's 10 years of one story finally concluding, finally coming together. And it's exciting for the fans. Um... Eh, Star Wars does not have this feel. Um, it's it feels like with this main trilogy, it feels like Disney or, or Lucasfilm didn't have a, a good roadmap of what they wanted this series to be about. With it, with you know J.J. Abrams doing his movie, and then it seemingly like Ryan Johnson taking the story in a completely different direction from what J.J. Abrams looked like he was setting up. And then, of course, there is the issue of Colin Trevorrow being fired from Episode Nine, and them getting J.J. Abrams back, um, which could maybe help right the ship for people who weren't so keen on The Last Jedi. Um, you know, there were plenty of people who, who loved The Force Awakens who didn't like The Last Jedi, so maybe J.J. Abrams can bring them back, but we'll see. Um, but again, the criticism that I've seen is for a lot of people, it feels like di the, the filmmakers are winging it, that the directors of these films don't have a unified story and they're just making it up as they go along, which causes disinterest because no one, wa no one wants to pay attention to a story that isn't cohesive. And again, throw in the fact that, too, it appears from behind the scenes, Lucasfilm doesn't know what they want from their directors either with, you know, production problems uh, with Rogue One of reshoots being scheduled for that film when, you know, Lucasfilm didn't like what they saw with the initial draft of that film. And then a famously solo a Star Wars story halfway through the film, kicking the original directors off, getting a different director in. And then, too, with with uh, episode nine, they kicked Colin Trevorrow off and getting a new director in. It's like, 
Lucasfilm needs to unify the story to keep people invested. No one wants a story that just goes all over the place. And again, I think they're riding that ship. I think they're starting to see that by, of course, giving these not just one movie, but an entire series of films to these directors like we're seeing, you know, aforementioned series by Jon Favreau, Ryan Johnson, and uh, the Game of Thrones writers. I, I, and of course, they even gave Boba Fett, they're, they're not just right, uh, he's not just directing that film, he's also writing it. Um, Lord and Miller on Solo, A Star Wars Story were given a script to direct, and the reason given that they were kicked off is because they weren't sticking to that script. With Boba Fett, it looks like they're giving him that creative freedom. Who knows? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that is hopefully a problem that they will fix moving forward. Um, it is looking like it, but time will tell. Um, and then, of course, also, too, uh, another point that uh, I've been seeing with people is that Disney needs to work on the political messages they're putting in their films, with especially with Star Wars. Granted, Disney, in general, um, has this problem, and I'll get into that in a minute. But with the, with the Star Wars films... I was watching a video by Jeremy Johns on the Star Wars fandom, and he actually talked about this in his own um, in his own uh, video. And I thought his points were were uh, I'm repeating a lot of his points, so go check out his video. But and he made the point of you know the the social issues that they're that they're touching on are just being touched on to touch on them and not being incorporated in the story. Whereas with the original Star Wars films, there were social issues there, but they were more broad and they were, that you kind of had to look for them. Um, and a, a couple of ways that this happens, like for example, Canto Bite in The Last Jedi. For a lot of people, that Canto Bite sequence was almost unnecessary and then it just felt like it was throwing a anti-capitalism message out. Uh, more recently, we had the um, one of the writers for, or Jonathan Kasdan for Solo Star Wars Story, come out and say that you know Lando is pansexual, and of course this ticked off both both political spectrums. Um, it ticked off the conservatives because uh, the only person who cares more about your private life than your overbearing parent when you're a teenager is a conservative. <laughs> and uh, I'll preface this by saying I am a Christian who does not agree with the political uh, opinions that are being put in these films. But I also, you know, in fact, I'll go a step further and I'll say I think that uh, the the political agenda they're pushing is abhorrent in the eyes of God and people will be judged for that. However, I don't go to Hollywood to have my beliefs validated and I don't get those people because, yeah, I just I just don't get that. I don't go to a Hollywood movie to have my beliefs validated. I, I've never gotten that. But nonetheless, it's still ticking off those people, and it's a problem that they need to deal with. And then, too, but it's also ticking off the left, the, 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 the liberal side of things, because when that comment was made, everyone was like, oh, yeah, watch. It's not going to actually be in the film. And sure enough, from what I can understand of people who've seen the film, it never comes up. It was just a comment made by a writer, and Disney did this before with famously Beauty and the Beast and LeFou. The director made a comment about how, oh, yep, that character is gay, and then it doesn't pop in the film. It doesn't really appear. It's like one tiny little whoop there, nothing, and then it, you know, it was this huge backlash for that tiny little nothing of a scene, and then 
people who were excited for that were left insulted. And again, this in, the, the Disney is seemingly doing this. The, the more they, they pay lip service to this, this side and then not delivering it in the films is only going to tick that side off more. I saw one of the uh, people I follow on YouTube did a video on this and he was livid after that comment uh, was made. So Disney really needs to work on that. Um, but especially in Star Wars with uh, Lucasfilm, they need to work on the social messages need to be in the film and they need to be seamless. They can't just stand out. You can't just touch on them to touch on them. You need to better weave them into the story so someone doesn't realize that it's there until they think about it. You know, that's how films have, that's how the good films anyways do it. You get overbearing and you just alienate people. Um, now, the, of course, my last point that I uh, want to talk about is my most controversial opinion, and that is I think Lucasfilm needs to get away from George Lucas's influence. I get it. George Lucas started the series. He, it's his baby, but I really think they just need to get away from his influence. And, and here's why. When you look at the, the past couple of uh, years of Star Wars, the most controversial things have been Luke's character in The Last Jedi. One of the biggest criticisms I saw about that movie was, why would Luke, the hero of the old original trilogy, hide away on, a, on an island, away from his friends, away from the galaxy, and leave people to die. Problem is, is that is one of the few things that George Lucas had made as a point for this trilogy, even before Disney came along. Lucas was going to have it, where the, the series started up with, you know, it being several years in the future. Luke, Luke was a hermit on an island, and a young girl finds him, and then, you know, he trains her to be a Jedi. And that's from the, the art of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, and, of course, too, uh, another big reason, Solo, a Star Wars story. That project was started by George Lucas before Disney bought Lucasfilm out. So it's kind of a thing of what... <sighs> you know, George Lucas... His ideas as of late seem to be the ideas that are the most divisive to the fan base. I don't even need to get into the prequels. Um, you know, when you look at the original trilogy, he only directed that one, the first film. Even that film was saved in editing. And then the other two, he more just kind of oversaw the story with other people writing and directing it. So... The prequel trilogy was something that he had entire creative freedom, and they divided the fan base. And then the few ideas that Disney and Lucasfilm have gone with with this new series of films have been divisive ideas. You know, so... I really... This is... I, I, I know people will disagree with me. That's why I say it's my most controversial opinion. Um, but yeah... Those are my thoughts on Solo, a Star Wars story, the state of Star Wars going forward. And yeah, let me know what you think. Um, I, I will um, 
I, I don't have much more to say. I'm going on for a bit. So this is my third time recording this segment, by the way. So uh, last time I recorded this segment, um, I went on for about 36 minutes. So uh, I shaved 10 minutes off, so I'm doing good, but it's still a little long. So I am going to leave it there. Let me know what you think, and I will, I will, yeah, see you in the next segment. All right, so let's keep the fun going, shall we? This week in Stupid, Roseanne got canceled. So I might have, you might remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, shows that got canceled and renewed, and I uh, talked about Roseanne for a bit, that it was controversial because, you know, Roseanne was uh, pro Trump, conservative. And they renewed the show for season two and all that. And, uh, well, they, 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 they've, they've canceled it. Um, be, be, uh, well, because, to put it lightly, she put a, um, could be misconstrued as racist tweet. At worst, she put out a racist tweet against, um, Valerie Jarrett, a former Obama, um, uh, official, and... And yeah, this woman was a black woman that she insulted. And so what her tweet said, um, it was a reply to someone else. Uh, the, what did she say? The Muslim Brotherhood plus Planet of the Apes equals VJ, Valerie Jarrett. And now, if you, for those of you out there, you, you like, it's been an insult for, you know, a long time to, you know, uh, to demean uh, African-American people um, and compare them to apes. And it's so comparing them to monkeys is has its racial overtones. This tweet did not go over well. And so even before the announcement of the cancellation, uh, there was pushback from other uh, ABC executives and uh, even fo- uh, fellow co-stars before the announcement to pull the plug. Um, and I, honestly, the, it, my personal opinion was was this was going to happen sooner or later because Roseanne just stirs the pot on Twitter all the time. Um, I looked at her Twitter and she's constantly either tweeting out or retweeting conspiracy theories um, and like some pro-Trump stuff that's just straight up not true. Um, You know, not everything that you say about Trumpism true, but the stuff she was saying was. Um, You know, so like things that I think he... I don't know. I just remember there there was something that she tweeted out, and it and it got, gained controversy because it was like, "What? This has no facts." Um, this was a couple weeks ago, and it wasn't something that I I just kind of blew it off. Um, and yeah, so this became a, a huge story um, because honestly, for me, the funnier part was her response to it, and she basically says, um. What, what did she say? It was 2, a, 2 in the morning, and I was ambient tweeting. You won't find a lot of these tweets, by the way, on her Twitter. If you go, they're, they've all mostly been deleted. Um, so this tweet has since been deleted as well. Um, but yeah, she tweeted out, it was 2 in the morning, and I was ambient tweeting. That's what her explanation was for uh, the Valerie Jarrett thing. She did apologize and claim she was leaving Twitter. 
Obviously, that was, apology was insincere, and she definitely wasn't leaving Twitter because as soon as the show was just canceled, she was immediately back on Twitter, retweeting and tweeting stuff out. And uh, yeah, I mean, what I find highly ironic is the fact that she initially said, don't defend me, and then now is retweeting everyone defending her. So yeah, obviously, she's real sincere in that apology. Real sincere. Um, but nonetheless, the funniest part about this was the fact that when she said it was she was Ambien tweeting, the company behind Ambien, this pharmaceutical company, uh, Sinopha US, uh, put on their Twitter that while all pharmaceutical treatments have side effects, racism is not a known side effect of any Sinopha medication. And I love what Philip DeFranco said that even in 2018, even pharmaceutical companies are uh, making clapbacks on Twitter. Like, it's, it's just, it's great. I, what a day to be alive. And of course, there was backlash and stuff. Um, you know, there was uh, the recent, the, the one that I saw was, that I found most interesting was the call for Bill Maher to be canceled because apparently he's made similar comments where he compared Trump to an orangutan or something like that and um and the thing is is I think the people making that comment missed the point it's not that um Roseanne compared uh Valerie Jarrett to a, a monkey it's that she compared a black woman to a monkey and that has racial overtones it's you you can go back and you can look it's it's a common insult it's a racist insult to call african-americans monkeys um as they're you know as some kind of view that they are lower than us on the on the um than they're on the evolutionary totem pole or something and it's it's ridiculous it's insulting and of course too What's funny is, is she said, oh, I'm ambient tweeting, tweeting, but of course she has a history of this. She tweeted, she compared Susan Rice in a previous tweet, um, to an ape in, in a, in a way that I will not speak on this, uh, on this podcast because it's incredibly vulgar in my mind. Um, and so it just seems like to be a history that she would target her, uh, that she has a bit of a bit of a history comparing uh, black women to apes and monkeys, and it's, so it's kind of like <clears throat> I think she was aware of what she was doing. I I, I really do. Um, maybe she doesn't. Maybe she was just making a crude insult and didn't realize the overtones. But I I think she knew. Um, Roseanne Barr maybe many things, but I don't think she's unintelligent. I think she knew what she was doing. And of course, going back to the Bill Maher thing, I found that reaction fascinating because of the fact that first of all, some dumb people, not all, but some dumb people seem to get on the bandwagon and seem to think that he was on ABC. He's not, he's on HBO. Plenty of other people acknowledge he was on HBO and was showing, oh, look, and, and see, this is a, a, a double standard. Roseanne gets fired, but, uh, uh, Bill Maher doesn't. Well, the thing is, is there are two different companies. ABC is owned by Disney. Disney likes to keep things clean. Um, and somewhat family-friendly. Um, they like to keep their image spotless. And and um, they have actually punished 
even anti-Trump people. Um, like they own ESPN, for example, and they suspended Jamal Hill, who is on ESPN for. And when she compared uh, Trump to white uh, to a white supremacist, they suspended her. So obviously, this doesn't for ABC. This doesn't have a bias. Um, and of course, some people would say um, would say that oh. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel is a critic of, and he says mean things of the president. And the thing is, is what I would say is, um, when Jimmy Kimmel goes after Trump, Trump is fair game because Trump is insulting people every other day on his Twitter feed. So it's fair game, um, to hit back. And, you know, I don't think it's right, but I think it's fair game, especially if Trump is insulting people and, um, and too, like it's, 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 I don't think completely apples to apples here. Um, and of course, you know, the, pre- uh, the president did weigh in on this and said, why haven't I got an apology call? Which is of course, you know, just his MO, everything's got to be about him. Um, you know, boo-hoo, people, people in, insulted you and hurt your feelings. You know, you know that's kind of what you sign up to do when you're the president, um, is have people who disagree with you insult you. Um, you would know you've only insulted Obama for the past eight years, uh, but I digress. Um, and so, where, where else was I going with this, too? Like, Bill Maher, another fascinating thing that I found was... Going back to the, the 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 thing about ABC is ABC did suspend him or actually canceled his show politically incorrect back in 2002 when he made comments about 9/11 that were deemed insensitive. So funnily enough, ABC did cancel Bill Maher. And the thing is, is Bill Maher now is on HBO. You can say it's not right that he gets to make the comments he makes while Roseanne gets canceled. But Bill Maher has the safety of the fact that he's on HBO that doesn't have the same rules and restrictions as a network like ABC would have. Uh, like, I've seen their YouTube clips, at least on YouTube anyways, they're, they're cussing up a storm on that show for, you know, with no censorship. And, and of course, HBO is also the network that runs shows like Game of Thrones with gratuitous violence, nudity, and even incest. I don't think a couple off-put, off-putting comments from Bill Maher is on the top of their concern list if they are okay with putting what Game of Thrones puts out. <laughs> um, just, just, just a thought. Um, and then, of course, also there is the thing about Bill Maher, too. I kind of like the guy because while he is a liberal, he also calls out his fellow liberals when uh, he thinks they're being stupid. He has not been, uh, he has not shied away from going after liberals when he thinks they're being stupid and is an ardent defender of free speech. So it is interesting to see, you know, the conservatives who believe, um, you know, who believe in free speech going after their fellow defender. It's just really interesting. And of course, too, I think the ultimate irony of this happening in the same week of, uh, within a week of the NFL saying that they're going to penalize anyone who kneels uh, during the um, anthem now is incredibly ironic. You know, the same people that believe people should be fired for um, for enacting their own free speech uh, on on the on the footballs uh, on a football 
platform are then crying persecution. You know, like, it's incredibly ironic. You don't get to pick and choose what issues are free speech and aren't. And, you know, I could get into that, into the whole kneeling issue, but uh, I'm, I'm stretching this segment out a little long. Um, so this episode is long enough, so I'm, I'm going to just leave that there. But I, I think this, the, it just there is so much irony and stupidity in this. So, yeah, that is This Week in Stupid. Let me know what you think. All right, so let's get into news I love. Jeff Goldblum has signed with Universal's Decca Records to later this year release a solo jazz album. Uh, I, I, I love this, this news. Um, I, I just absolutely love it. Uh, apparently, uh, one of the ex- executives for Decca Records saw him on a British TV show, TV show last year, and he must have, and I think he played piano or something. He played jazz on that show, and they were so impressed with him that they flew him, uh, or flew to LA to meet him and uh, signed a deal and got him to agree to release an album with them. Um, the director of AR for DECA, um, Tom Lewis, says, As far as I can tell, everyone loves Jeff Goldblum. He's a fantastic jazz pianist, a great band leader, and just about the loveliest man in the world. His love of jazz is infectious, and whenever he plays, he makes you feel very happy. If we can take Jeff's music into people's homes, then we will be helping in our own small way to make the world a happier place. So, yeah, this is this is news that I just... I love it. Um, Jeff Goldblum jazz album is not something I realized I needed until just now. And yes, give it to me. Uh, make it happen as soon as possible. I need it. <laughs> um, now, in other news, um, we got confirmation that um, the much-anticipated sequel to Top Gun has begun filming this week with uh, Tom Cruise sharing an image on his uh, Twitter with him. It's either a still from uh, Top Gun or it's a still from the set of the sequel of him looking at a jet airplane and then um, feel the need written over it. And and the tweet, his tweet saying hashtag day one. Um, so that is... That's the story for um, that right there. It's it's confirmed. We don't know much about uh, we we don't know much about the plot. Although um, early rumors suggest that Tom Cruise's character from the last film will be a flight instructor in this film, and will explore the age of drones and uh, you know uh, the kind of the, the this future. So uh, it. I haven't seen the original Top Gun, so I'm not as interested in this story as others might be. Um, For some of you, it may be really exciting. Who knows? Um, And then we also got our first look at um, the How to Train Your Dragon 3 poster. Um, So How to Train Your Dragon 3 is now, I mean, it's it's been confirmed. It's official. It's happening because they just released the poster for it. 
and uh, it looks like Toothless will be falling in love because there's like a white version of that's a female uh, version of him that he's looking at and it looks like they're in love and then um, it's How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World uh, so it looks like this will be a a film that uh, will be exploring a new world in the How to Train Your Dragon universe. I, I'm a huge fan of both How to Train Your Dragon films. I like the first one the best, so um, I think the, the uh, third one, uh, the second one was great, um, and we'll see if the third one lives up to its predecessors. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's anticipated news for the day. Um, upcoming films and stuff. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the Jeff Goldblum. Out of all of that, that's what I'm, I'm most excited for the Jeff Goldblum jazz album. <laughs> Give that to me as soon as possible, please. Uh, but yeah, let me know what you think in call-ins or such, or leave a comment down below. If you know, leave a review. Maybe tell me your thoughts on iTunes or something. I don't know. Just. If you're on Anchor, leave me a call in and let me know what you think if you have any thoughts. Alright, so we'll be closing the episode off with some bad news if you're a Walking Dead fan. um, And bad news if you're a fan of The Crow. Uh, So, The Walking Dead, it was announced that Andrew Andrew Lincoln is to exit, and Norman Reedus is eyeing a $20 million new deal. So, uh, star Andrew Lincoln, who has played the beleaguered former sheriff, Rick Grimes, since the show's premiere, will exit the AMC zombie drama in its upcoming ninth seasons, sources confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter. Meanwhile, co-star Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl, is in the midst of negotiating a new deal that will pay him more than $20 million as he will become the new number one on the call sheet. Sources say Lincoln will be phased out in season nine in a fashion similar to co-star Lauren Cohen, who will film only six episodes of the series. Cohen, who plays Maggie, opted to exit the highly rated AMC drama and book the lead in ABC's Whiskey Cavalier after her efforts to renegotiate a new deal to stay on The Walking Dead went south. After ABC picked up Whiskey Cavalier to series for a mid-season bow, it closed the door on Cohan's full-time return to the series, even if she had closed a new deal. AMC, of course, declined to comment. Lincoln's decision to leave comes as a major shock for the franchise, which ranks as one of the top dramas on all of television among total viewers in the advertiser-coveted adults 18 to 49 demographic. What's more, Lincoln's Rick is still the focal point of creator Robert Kirkman's comic series in which the AMC drama is based. Uh, Okay, so, yeah, this is interesting. Of course, the... uh, reaction on social media has essentially been just end it already but it's still a profitable show so it's looking like it's going to continue until there's just no more money flowing in Uh, as long as there's money coming in they're going to keep making this show so you know you could say the show's been beaten to death already but it looks like they're going to keep chugging until either A, it stops making money, or B, they lose all their actors. Um, so, yeah. This is uh, 
this was something that shocked me, and I'm not even a Walking Dead fan. Uh, I don't watch that show. I'm not a huge fan of overly gory shows. So The Walking Dead was a show that never interested me. And then, yeah, it's it's interesting and really just surprising news. It'll be interesting to see what the show does for um, to replace him, essentially. Obviously, the, the plan is get... Norman Reedus to come back on and become the lead like transfer from just a, another character to actually lead but um yeah I mean yeah it's it's not not news fans of the show wanted to hear and then if you're a fan of The Crow and we're excited for the remake well eh, apparently that's falling apart um Jason Momoa on an Instagram post on Thursday confirmed that it has fallen apart. And he says this, I've waited eight years to play this dream role. I love you, Corin Hardy and Sony Pictures. Unfortunately, I may have to wait eight more. Not our team, but I swear I will. James O'Barr, sorry to let you down. I won't on the next. This film needs to be set free. And to the fans, I'm sorry. I can't play anything but what this film deserves, and it needs love. I'm ready when it's right. And, of course, he shared a picture um, with uh, with uh, with Colin Hardy, it looks like. And so, I mean, yeah, he, yeah it is uh, Colin, Corin Hardy. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting my names wrong here. Um, but yeah, he shared an image with that on Instagram of him with Corin Hardy. And it's just sad news if you're if you were excited for that remake. Apparently this is a film that's been in uh production for a while and has had a lot of problems, so this is just kind of like more problems for the film. And it looks like Jason Momoa was really excited to play the character and really wanted to do it. But Man, and that's a real bummer. Um, this kind of reminds me of the, the Hellboy situation when, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman both said that they'd be willing to come back for a third Hellboy, and then they announce a reboot with neither involved. And it's like, what? What? Um, you know, so in, in, in that same sense, uh, Jason Momoa really wants to play this part, it appears, but it just, they can't get it right. So things are just not working out. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the last bit of news on my notes. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is a bummer, bum note to end it out on, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of how, how things go, unfortunately. Um, yeah, let me know again, leave a call in, leave a review on iTunes. Um, if I manage to get this episode up, uh, in some format on YouTube, leave a comment below on your thoughts. Uh, Yeah. But this does conclude the episode. My name is Sir Cal. Uh, I am your host here on Geek Source Entertainment. This is Film Fridays, and I will see you next week, hopefully with both film and audio once again, instead of just audio. Hopefully I'll be looking better, right? I, I still, I look better for sure than what I looked like earlier in the week where I looked like, you know, uh, teenager covered in acne on their worst day. Um, now I just kind of look like a teenager covered in acne. So yeah. Uh, but otherwise I am feeling much better. I am pretty much over this sickness and, uh, I, tomorrow I go back to work. 
So, yeah, hopefully, though, I look a little bit better so I don't feel like I, I would scare everyone off. So, hopefully, I'll get back to making video. But, uh, yeah, that's it. I, I need to wrap this up. So, uh, again, my name is Sir Cal. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will see you next time.